Today we're going to be looking at the first emphasis of that, which is around this idea of appreciation, that part of what it is to be a human being on planet Earth is to appreciate, to enjoy, look up from what we're doing, appreciate. And we're going to be looking at that through the, um, through the lens of Sabbath, this idea of Sabbath we see in the Bible. Um, just so we're all on the same page uh, about what Sabbath is, we might, might hear that word, we might have a rough idea. Uh, it comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and I think that translates as to cease, to cease, that's the best translation, so to stop. And I think what we'll find is that this idea of Sabbath cessation is woven, woven into all of creation, more than, more than a nice idea, more than a kind of modern wellness thing, as might have become recently, this is fundamentally woven into what it is to be a human being, is to rest, is to stop, is to appreciate. Um, so I'd like to do a couple of things to help us think about this. I'd like to first look at what the scriptures say, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says so much about this, so we're not going to have time to look at everything. But I think it's really important to think about what God says about this, this day, what it is, what it isn't. And then the second thing, which is equally important, is how it plays out for us today, because we're living in a, in a unique time, you know, whatever you think about Freud in 2023, it's unique to have a point in human history. So it's really good to think about, yeah, how this, how this biblical concept plays out on the ground day to day. So I hope that's okay. Without, yeah, why don't we look at the passage? So I think the passage on the next slide, this is from Genesis 2. This is kind of the key passage we're looking at. And it says, so the creation of the heavens and the earths and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all of his creation, from all his work of creation, even. Um, from those of us who have a rough idea from our Bible, uh, this is the reference there, this is in Genesis 2. So this is in that period of time after God has created anything in the world in six days, or six periods of time, depending on your creation theology, so he's done that, but this is before the time in which sin has entered the world. So this is before the time in which Adam and Eve sin, and sin enters the world and corrupts everything. And it's super interesting that before there was anything wrong in the world, and God is looking at his world, and he's thinking about how it works, how it operates, he rests. He takes the seventh day, he sets it apart, and he rests. And we also know that God the Father, fundamentally, he doesn't get tired. He is all-powerful. You know, he was and is and is to come. We've sung all this amazing stuff, but it's more than words. It's true. He doesn't get tired. So from this, we kind of see that primarily God's Sabbath, his rest, isn't fundamentally about recovering from six days of heavy labor. He's not like sitting on some hill in Eden being like, oh, that was tough. Like, oh, you yeah. know putting the stars up, that cost a lot of effort, and like, I've been working evenings and there's no one here to help me. You know, he, that, that wasn't what he was up to. He had, he had a day set apart, a holy day of rest, and he was appreciating, appreciating what was around him. And we'll, we'll talk more about Sabbath, but I think just it's really, really encouraging to see that fundamentally in Sabbath basically about far more than just refilling ourselves after six days of work. It was about appreciating, just looking up from all the stuff he'd done, basking in it, enjoying it. So that's creation. Um, we also know, as I said, the world doesn't stay the way. It is in Genesis 2. We have the fall and we have 
the kind of entity of sin into the world. But this idea of Sabbath, as I said, continues to be continues to be woven into creation, continues to be woven through the biblical narrative. Um, if we skip ahead a bit, we get to Exodus, the story of Exodus, and we have uh, God's people, Israel. They have fled from Egypt, they've escaped Egypt, and they're now in the wilderness, and they're um, they're looking for food. You know, there's no food there, and they're moaning, and they're grumbling, and they're upset. If anyone's been hungry, imagine that, like, times ten, because if you're hungry today, we know there's, like, supermarket around the corner. If you're hungry in the wilderness, it's probably quite stressful, because you're like, there's literally no food here. Um, and so God provides for them. He sends this thing called manna, which is a, a white flaky substance, and they're to go out and gather it each day. Um, but they're only to do that six days a week. On the seventh day, God tells them, don't gather it, enjoy what you've got. I haven't got the verse there, but he says in Exodus 16, 29 to 30, if you're following along, he says, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And so we see here, again, this idea of Sabbath. And in this story, it's about acknowledging in a very real way that more than ourselves, it is God who provides for us. More than ourselves, it is God who provides for us. We sometimes might like to, these days, talk about being in a metaphorical wilderness in our life. Like we might come to a small group and be like, ah, oh, this is start like a valley season for me for X, Y, and Z. I'm just in the wilderness right now. And like, that's all valid. But in this story, they are literally in the wilderness. This is a very literal wilderness. You know, there's no, there's no kind of nice metaphor here. Um, and I think through this story, it, it, it can sound quite trivial, you know, when we're reading it, where it's like, there's no food, God makes some weird food, they gather the food. But it, it's really getting at a, a fundamental a fundamental flaw with humans, a fundamental issue of us, our sort of need, desire, instinct to hoard, to bring stuff towards us, to gather, um, to trust in our own means. There's going to be different types of people in this room. I'm the kind of guy, if... I go to Lidl, I write three things on my, on my post-it note and I'll come home with a huge rugsack and like I'm cycling with my milk in my hand because it won't fit in my rugsack kind of thing. Um, I, I, like, I like to have a full cupboard. Um, I don't want to brag, but if you come to our house, we, we've probably got more cereal than you do in your house, in our house. We're a big, we're a big cereal house in our house. Uh, and it puts a smile on our face when we open it. Zach will put like four different cereals in one bowl. Like, after dinner, this isn't even the morning, this is after dinner. Um, and not all of that's evil, not all of that's evil. I don't think it is. But um, I think it does, there is a temptation from humans to hoard. And sometimes that is, sometimes that's money. But I think more often it can be time and energy. We can, we can want to hoard. I, I don't want to give myself in this way. I don't want to give my time in this way. I, I'm worried about giving my, giving my energy in this way. Um, and not all of this is unsensible, as I said, it's, you know, unsensible? Yeah, let's go, let's say that's a word. It's not all unsensible. But if seven days a week, if every day of our life, that is our attitude to the things we're doing, we're just constantly gathering stuff in, constantly doing that, constantly bringing my wallet when I go out, just like, oh, if I need to buy this, or if I need to buy that, or I want this kind of cereal in my cupboard, or something. And never actually like stopping, looking up from what we have, and appreciating it. We're, we're sort of denying who's in control of our lives. We're denying who's in control. Um, and kind of conversely, if we're, if we're willing one day a week to lay that down, lay down that hoarding, that gathering, to look up from the stuff we're doing and just appreciate what's in front of us, just not feel like we're the ones who's controlling the world, then that is God's best for us. That is God's best for us. And that is part of his, 
his purpose for us on earth, more than just a nice idea, more than like a, I'm trying to think, I don't want to say fab, that sort of thing, but it's, it's his purpose, it's, it's fundamental. Um, moving on in Exodus, we get maybe the, the fundamental, well, the quintessential, when we hear Sabbath, what we think of, we think of Ten Commandments, maybe. Um, this is, so this is on Mount Sinai, God has talked to Moses, and in Exodus 31, he says this, he says, Above all, you, might, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And sanctify means like make you holy, set you apart. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. On one level, this, you know, if, you're, if you want to, not nitpick, but if you want to challenge me, this, this might sound quite specific for a specific group of people. It says, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. You might be sitting there and say, I'm not the people of Israel. And we can debate that. And, you know, like, decide. but I think hopefully what we've seen so far is that this idea of Sabbath is more than just this group of people. It was there when there were no people. It was there fundamentally at the beginning of time. And it was there in the wilderness. And it's here now and it's formalising it. And it's going to still be there in the future. And then from this passage, we recognise that God is the one who sets aside and makes us holy. I think when we say Sabbath and we think of rest, it can sound a bit like legalism, so it can feel a bit like rule following, like I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, and don't get me wrong, like in the Old Testament, there's lots of rules about Sabbath, and so that's definitely a temptation. But this is kind of the opposite of that. It's saying that God, rather than ourselves, is the one who sanctifies us. He is the one who sets us apart. When we observe Sabbath, it is not in our rest or our appreciation that is making us holy or setting us apart. It's that doing that is a sign that God is the one who has set us apart. He is the one who has called us out to be holy and separate from the world around us. And because of that, we can live out this set-apart day. And without that, we're going to struggle to do it because we're just doing it because... You know, it's our own strength, and it won't all be wrong if we try and like live it the other way. It might, it might make us feel slightly better, but it won't be sustainable and it won't be lasting. Um, so hopefully, we've seen Sabbath, this rhythm of rest. Uh, it matters to God. It matters. You know, it matters to the God we worship, Yahweh. Um, it, it's a key emphasis to the Bible, and um, I think there's a reverence for it in the Scripture. There is a, you know. Beyond the legalism, beyond the rule following, there's lots of rules in the Old Testament, but there's definitely a reverence for it in the way it's treated. I had a whole whole section I've chucked out about how the community of Israel left a stone some guy because he didn't observe the Sabbath. And the lesson from that is, isn't that, you know, we should be stoning people, but there's a sense in which this is important to God. To do it well is important to him. And it was then, and Jesus has changed the way we view the law, but God is unchanging. So if something was important to him, God, like when the Bible was in, it continues to be important to him today. It continues to be important. Um, but let's talk about Jesus. So throughout the Old Testament, we just get this cycle, like a lot of things in the Old Testament, of God setting out good law, good instruction. And through their own strength, the people just, they just can't live up to it. They just can't honour it in the right way. As I said, people get stoned. Whole nations and cities forget God's law. And there's verses about how God gives places like he kind of desolates cities and finally gives that city a Sabbath rest. It's set apartness that it wasn't getting under kind of human law and human rule. Um, 
And so we've got Jesus, and he's going to help us kind of get this right and serve him our way. If we can skip along, sorry. Um, let's go Let's go one more. Let's go two more. That's great. So, um, thank you, Sham. Uh, Sham is great for slides. We, we had a bit of a slide panic beforehand, but it's all good now. So that's great. Um, well done, Sham. Um, so like any law in the Old Testament, we know in Jesus' own words, he says this, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So we know that Jesus isn't here to brush anything under the carpet. But also, we know he exposes the fact that trying to live in our own strength to the letter of the law will lead to death. It won't just lead to a minor like muck up, it will lead, it will lead to like death. Like, it's impossible. But following the way you want to live by the Spirit leads to life and life to the full. Um, and so when it comes to God's purpose for the universe and this idea of appreciation, Jesus is all about the Spirit of the law over the Word of the law. He's all about the Spirit of the law over the Word of the law. And it's a bit tangible, but we're really blessed that Jesus explicitly weighs in on the Sabbath. Um, sometimes we have an issue and the Bible doesn't directly address it, and so we're left to left to kind of figure out on our own. One for me recently has been, do we know about Oyster Cards? Yeah. Oyster Cards. So you buzz, if you're not from London, you get an Oyster Card, you buzz through ticket gates that let you through. However, if you get to London Bridge late at night, say they're like half 11 midnight, the barriers, they're already open. And so, and I'm, I'm looking at these barriers, I'm like, these barriers are already open, I don't need to scan to get through. And moreover, there's no barriers at Wadham Station. So, in theory, I could walk through, get the train to Wadden, get off, and there's unlikely to be a ticket inspector, there's unlikely to be. So, there's a very fleshy temptation. However, however, Jesus doesn't talk about this, always the cards, but what he does say is that, <laughs> he doesn't, he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God, and I'm, uh, maybe I should give to TFL what belongs to TFL, <laughs> and, and if I don't, if I don't pay it, then, you know, the rail companies are already a mess, they're probably subsidised by the government, that's taxpayers, that's everyone, that's maybe everyone pay it. So anyway, so we get to a situation, and through the Bible and the Spirit, we sort of figure out ourselves. But this isn't like that. Jesus actually talks about Sabbath, so we don't have to go through that exercise as much. Um, when he's talking about it, he's directly debating legalists, so the Pharisees, and these are, these are kind of Jewish bigwigs who started out with good intent, and a really intent to follow God's law, but hadn't learned this thing that following the word of the law leads to death. Um, so we get a couple of scenarios back to back. I think there's, yeah, that's a verse through one of them. So the first is that the disciples are, it starts by low stakes. So they're just walking through a field, munching some corn, munching some, sounds like me on my Sabbath with cereal, uh, munching some cereal. And the Pharisees, they say, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful. They were technically working, picking this stuff off. And Jesus responds by pointing out a couple of things. He talks about how David and his men, they, did, they, they, they like ate holy bread on the Sabbath and they were fine one time and they needed it. And the priests, they go to the temple and they work on the Sabbath and it's fine. Um, pointing out really that Sabbath is meant to serve people, not people serving Sabbath. But then he kind of dials it up a bit and he references this verse. He references Hosea where he says, if you'd known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he just like dials it to 11 right at the end. He starts these quiet, you know, rebuts them and basically like, I'm in charge of this day. This, this day which we spoke about in the Old Testament 
which has got all this reverence, all this law, all this history, Jesus is like, I'm Lord of that. I'm the king of that. And so if you take anything from this, like Jesus is king and he is you know, more than a rule following, more than Sabbath, more than what it means to live like a good life on this earth. He is the one in, in whom it all makes sense. And without him, none of it makes sense. Um, we get to the second scenario, which is the next verse, where the stakes are dialed up now. You can feel the tension in the scripture. They're in the temple. There's a man there with a withered hand. Um, I was gonna, there's no picture of a withered hand, um, but it wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't have been good. Um, and the Pharisees see this opportunity to attract him, and they're like, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath? And Jesus, he's a bit more like aggressive this time. He ends up saying, he's like, yes, it is, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath before healing them. Um, and so again, we see Jesus championing the spirit of the law over the word of the law. And more than that, he's just bringing healing and life wherever he goes. And more than getting caught up in debates about what's in, what's out, he's changed a man's life. There was a man there who was unwell, and now he's well. And again, it, you know, more than more than this kind of nice idea of Sabbath, I want you to take that today. That Jesus changes lives. And if you're here for the first time and you don't. If you don't know that, you don't experience that. That's fundamentally like the good news of the gospel, that Jesus leaves people changed and doesn't leave them the same in a way that any sort of nice nice idea or rule following or like even turning up to church can do, like following Jesus will leave your life changed. Um, so hopefully, hopefully for all that explanation of scripture, we've seen that God's purpose for the universe and his mission to humanity, that this rest and appreciation to to stop and slow down is like it's it's woven in, it's woven in from creation from the beginning of time. And Jesus, he doesn't he doesn't wipe it onto the carpet. He doesn't replace it. You know, he doesn't he doesn't say it's unimportant. You know, he says that not not a word of the law and the prophets is going to be wiped away. But he does he does make sure it's interpreted in the right way. And that's important about today how we think about today. So I think an awful lot has changed since even the time like Jesus was alive. Um, I'm an optimist in nature, but I think even objectively, even objectively, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff about being alive today. Lots of good stuff about being alive. Um, internet, super useful. Just think like before, I don't know, say, say you've heard of penguins, but you never see penguins. Now you can like, we all know what penguins look like because of the internet, even if you're not being to Antarctica. It sounds, it sounds silly, but just like anything on planet Earth, we can like learn about it and see it and understand it. We don't, we don't need to just like, hear stories about it. It's incredible. It's incredible. Life expectancy. If you were born in this country 100 years ago, 48, 49 was the average life expectancy, which meaning half the people wouldn't even live that long. And it's incredible, you know? Like, there's an expectation that we're likely to have more life. There's an expectation. Phones, super useful. If you're running late for something, you know, it stresses me out when people, like, when I hear about stories of people meeting up with people before phones, it's like, what if you're late? <laughs> It's like, what if, what if you got a date or something? And it's like, you've really got to be there when you say you've got to be there. Maybe, maybe we've lost a bit of that. Maybe we need, we need more of that. Um, so there's lots of good stuff about being alive today. But I also think we've probably never been a, a more busier or a distracted world than we are today. Never been more busier. Um, I cannot speak for every point in history, but I think there's, there's a useful economic concept which brings this to like, um, it's called induced demand. Induced demand. Um, so the idea is that there's a demand which is created by increasing the supply of something. Stay with me, stay with me. So 
imagine you have a motorway and the motorway is really chock a block with cars, it's really busy. So you're a town planner and you say, what we'll do is we'll add a couple of extra lanes. Let's, let's get rid of the hard shoulder, turn that into This whole series, we're thinking about God's purpose for the universe and his mission for humanity. We're thinking about these things and there's part of that which we corporates where like Sabbath and the rest and appreciation, hopefully that's the same for all of us. But how this is played out on the ground will depend on each of us on our situation. And spending time with God is what helps us figure that out. What helps us figure out like the stuff we're learning in the Bible, the stuff we're learning in school, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for like the way I live? Um, and so it's about being realistic that in a busy world, the yeah, like, we, we might like to have this idea that everything I do is for God, everything I do is for God. And that's true, but in a busy world, which is actually hostile to that point of view, and says actually what you're doing isn't about God, then God can get pushed to the margins. So this is about saying one day a week, I'm going to be more intentional in the way I spend time with God. I'm going to I'm gonna pray more, I might spend longer time in my Bible, um, because what we spend our time doing exposes what we care about. It exposes what we care about. Like, if you tell me you don't like video games, but you play video games three hours a day, that exposes what you care about. If I tell someone, like, am I running or my exercise doesn't really matter that much, but I'm doing it every day for like over and out, that, that exposes, that exposes what you care about. You can't deny that. But in a positive way, if we spend, if we're spending time with God every day and intentionally seeking him, that exposes what's on our heart, that exposes what we care about. Um, so intentional time with God, and also seeking God in everything we do. This is not a wishy-washy, my whole life is worship. My whole life is worship, so I don't need to think about it. This is a, a very real thing of the God who created everything on earth. So if you're having a coffee, he created the coffee beans. He created the mug it's in. He created the chemical rush you're getting from that coffee bean. He created the human being in front of you you're talking to. Just slowing down enough to be aware those things are from God um, is also Sabbath and also important. So that's the first point. I think I've got time for my second point. I'm going to go for it. Um, pushing into something good. That was the first point. The second point is not up there, so we can just fix the black screen. So people aren't still thinking about the first point. Um, <laughs> the second point is to not think Sabbath is important, I think is to be deceived. That is the word, that's the word I have, to be deceived. If we're deceived, you've not made a conscious choice. If someone has deceived you, they've tricked you. There's been a miscalculation. Um, if we're not making time in our week to intentionally rest and appreciate and recharge, I think we'd probably fall into one of three camps. Either we've never really thought about it, which is totally fair. Maybe this is the first day you've heard the word Sabbath, and that's fair. Like, you've heard it now, and you can think about it. Secondly, maybe we have thought about it, and we think it's a nice idea, but we haven't cared enough to make active steps to change, change our life. There's weeks I fall into this category, where I have a head knowledge that this is good for me. I can feel it's good for me the time I've done it before, but my actions betray that. Again, the things I spend my time doing, the things I need to do instead of Sabbathing, they betray the fact that I think it's important. Um, and well, the final, final camp we could be in is we don't actually believe this is better for us. We don't believe living this way is better for us. We think actually, just to kind of plug away seven days a week, I'm going to rest here, there, a little bit here, a little bit there. Not rest and appreciate. We think that's better for us than to Sabbath and to rest and appreciate. And... I would challenge that, I would challenge that. Um, I hope that more than rule following, we can see through the scripture we've looked at that rest and appreciation is fundamentally part of what God wants us to do on earth. It's good news, it's his best for us. It's not, it's his best for us. His best for us is to one day a week rest 
appreciate, look up from our hands, stop toiling, stop planning, and enjoy. Um, it can be scary to stop and rest. It exposes what's on our hearts. It exposes what busyness has been hiding. It exposes what we like to think about when there's nothing on our demands. I think those things are scary, but it allows us to become more ourselves. It allows us to tackle that stuff and realize, oh wow, maybe my identity is bound up in my work or is even bound up in kind of serving my family or making plans or whatever. Um, yeah, so let's not be deceived. Let's not be deceived. Conclude, I had a picture. I had a picture when I was, it took me a while, like, just, I didn't hear a lot when I found this so initially, but the first picture I had was, this is a picture of Boulder, I'm hoping. Is that? Ah, okay, that's fine. Um, imagine a boulder. Imagine a boulder. Imagine a big boulder. And sometimes, all this stuff I've talked about, like the weight of it in scripture, how it applies to the modern world. Oh man, it sounds like work. You know, it sounds like pushing a big boulder up a hill. Hey, oh, there you go. Thank you. Um, it can just feel like effort, and even like ironically, all this stuff I've been talking about, like rest, appreciate, look up. You might be thinking, oh man, like that sounds like effort or work. It sounds like pushing a boulder up a big hill. But I think we've seen that Sabbath is woven into the fabric of the world. It's the way things are. We are made in God's image. He rested and appreciated Sabbath. So not only should we do the same, we're designed to do the same. And creation is designed to do the same. You know, the world around us is built for this rhythm as well. And so in reality, I believe the boulder is rolling down the hill. The Sabbath boulder has been rolling down the hill since the beginning of time. This rhythm of resting, of appreciating, of our life on earth being defined by more than our actions, but by the resting and doing, it's rolling down the hill. And so instead of pushing it up, if we're trying to stop it, we're going to get squished. We're going to get squished um, because this is the way things are, and we're called just to run with that rhythm, run with the rhythm of the world, run with the rhythm of nature, of our Father, of how Jesus would have lived. I think we're called to live that way. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we've kind of taken that we're designed, designed to live this way, designed to rest and appreciate that as part of our our mission for Earth. Um, hopefully, some of this has been helpful. Um, that's all I had to say, really. That's all I had to say.